Titus 2. We'll turn there in just a moment. Titus 2. In 2020, you remember big banners that hung from behind the cross. A pair of glasses with the city of Asheville in the shadows. At the end of 2019, Pastor Ralph launched our vision for the year. It was Vision 2020. Looking ahead, preparation. It's what God had put in his heart. And January went pretty good. February went pretty good. Then March the 10th happened. And it wasn't good. Everything changed. Our world completely changed. Forever. In March of 2020. But God in mercy and in love for this congregation, this group of people. He saw fit for us not only to be prepared spiritually, but financially. And in the midst of a pandemic, 17 weeks of not being able to meet in person, God paid this property, this sanctuary, this house of prayer, completely out of debt. That's vision 2020. Praise the Lord for that. And then in 2021, we took off with this idea of authentic Christianity. There was so much material, so much opinion, so many ideas to define what a Christian is in 2021. We demanded that we define our faith from the word of God. So we, for weeks and weeks, we dove into authentic Christianity. And that was the theme for the year. Lord, we want our faith and what we believe and why we believe it to be upheld by the word of God. The word of God, that sound, firm foundation that cannot be moved. That everything I believe, everything that I do in my life, that it's built off that foundation of authentic faith because it's built on the word of God. And then for 2022, two words that God really just hammered into our hearts and into our soul, confidence and authority. The desperate need of the church coming out of the COVID age, if you will, the desperate need of each and every Christian to live in the day and the hour that we're living, confidence in what you believe, and then the authority to live it, confidence and authority. And then this year, what God's put in our heart through much prayer and fasting and seeking his face is this. For 2023, our theme as a church is unity in Christ unity in Christ. Because from unity with Christ, we will understand our purpose, our passion, and who it is we're to go after. We're to be fishers of men. We're to go after people. But you can't get any of that right until you are unified with Christ. So much of the next few months, we'll build, be building the foundation of the theme for this year, and my prayer is what I pray you're praying is, God, I want to change. God, I don't want to be the same that I was in 2022. If you're satisfied where you are spiritually and there's no hope, no desire, no vision, no burden for growth, then in love, may I suggest that you have some stagnant spiritual water and it probably needs to be stirred up. We never get to a point in this life where we stop growing the Bible says you are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ until you hit 50 years old. That's not what the Bible says. It says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then until he comes saved, sanctified, and awaiting glorification. We're waiting for that day where we'll understand sinless perfection, where I'll understand what it is never to let God down again. But until then, I'm at war with my flesh. 
I want to change. I want to be better. I want to grow. And I think that every Christian should be praying that prayer even today. Lord, change me. Grow me. Show me something that needs to change in my life and help me to do it for your glory. There's a principle here that the Apostle Paul is teaching in Titus. Go to the seventh verse for the sake of time. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Pattern of good works. Pay attention to that. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say to you. A pattern of good work. Before we can understand what unity is, we have to understand our role. We have to understand God's expectation of us. You are never going to understand the game of baseball. You're never going to understand the game of football until you understand the rules, the regulations, the expectations. If the quarterback gets the ball each and every time it's hiked to him and he thinks his job is to be what the running back is, he'll never succeed at being a quarterback. As a Christian, you need to know what the ground rule is. You need to understand what the expectations are. And before you can have unity with the coach, before you can have unity with the plan, before you can get on the game plan and be a successful player, then you must understand your role. Your role is to bring God glory, to enjoy him forever, to obey him, and to be consistent in doing that every single day of your life. But until you get to the point you understand consistency, you'll never understand or taste of unity. Because at the end of the day, consistency is the guardian of power. Consistency with God is the guardian of power with God. You want your prayer to be answered. You want power with God. You want influence with people. You want to have a close walk with him. Then you must be consistent. A pattern, a repeated design, a model used as a guide. This is an example even for other people to follow. It's repeated. It's done the same. But this is different. What the Apostle Paul is talking to Titus about here in chapter 2 is doctrine. He's talking about doctrine. He's talking about getting the basics right so that everything else can be right. But the pattern of good work is something that you must live out each and every day of your life. And before you can have unity, listen now, within the church. Now we're talking family talk. We're around the table drinking coffee and we're having that discussion. Before we can have unity as a people, the people have to be unified with God. And before the people can be unified with God, they must understand their role of consistency in their walk with God. That means this. If you're playing around with the things of God, if you don't take the things of God seriously and you're inconsistent as a member of this church, this local body, then you're harming the whole body. Your inconsistency sends shockwaves to the body. That's why a healthy church must have someone within the church that's being consistent to follow God, to go after him each and every day. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now here the apostle Paul's talking about the hope of heaven. He's talking about resurrection, the rapture. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in what? In work. It doesn't say always abounding on Mondays and Tuesdays. It doesn't say always showing up for church on Sundays and Wednesdays. It says always. That means every day of my life, I am to be consumed with the thought of pleasing the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because at the end of the day, it's worth it. Not only does God have this perfect plan where the comforter has come, the Holy Spirit of God that leads, guides, and comforts, and directs, and corrects, but then when we get home to heaven, our reward for our labor will be handsome. It will be a reward that we cannot even understand. God will keep a good set of record books. You can absolutely be sure of that. And for everything you did in his name, every work that you did for his glory, even though other people may not have seen it, the Bible teaches that God will reward you even though we don't deserve it. So keep going, keep doing it, don't stop. God said you're gonna make it, keep doing it, but do it every single day of your life. He said always, it means all the time. Consistently do these things and do them because God is consistent. The attribute of God is a consistency. He is a consistent God. He does things consistently. He consistently hates sin, but at the same time consistently loves sin. Sinners, that is the capacity, the righteousness, the holiness of our God. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't treat you like you treat him? I'm so thankful that God does not treat me the way that sometimes I treat him. I've never gone to God and gotten this little whiny response of, well, I don't feel like it. I got my feelings hurt. I don't want to participate today. Go find somebody else to pray to. I've had enough. I'm tired of people. Can you imagine being God and hearing the prayers of all the believers all over the world and still loving them enough to respond and loving them enough to care? But could you imagine going to God and being like you have been to him? Thank God that's not the God I serve. I serve a God that even though I don't deserve it, is consistent with me in love, in correction, and compassion. That's the God I serve. I praise his holy name that his character is greater than the character that I can even understand. This is a holy God, a capable God. And he doesn't operate in an emotional knee-jerk reaction. God is consistent. And this is where fallen men suffer. This is where I struggle. This is the battle that I will fight for the rest of my life. And the word is consistency. Consistency, that I do what God expects me to do today and that I wake up tomorrow and I do the exact same thing, but I do it in a way that allows me to grow and understand more because the truth is if he tarries, tomorrow will come. So tomorrow when it comes, I will learn what I saw yesterday and the day before. I'll grow in the grace and the knowledge, but I need to be consistent in growing in that grace and knowledge, consistent in the way that I live for him. But this is our lacking, this is our suffering, and really this is the downfall of our generation. 
My generation lives the most instant gratified existence that has ever walked the face of the earth. Instant gratification, instant access to sin, usually through a handheld or a lap-held device that comes with very little to no public shame, very little to no public knowledge of that sin. Secret sin will be the downfall of this generation of Christians if the moms and dads don't get a hold of what's happening in their children's lives now. That will be the downfall. This is what robs our generation of consistency. I have heard all my life, well, services just aren't the way they used to be. Preaching just ain't the way it used to be. Well, God's not changed, so what changed with us? Consistency. Our founding pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr., what a man of God he was, a holy man. He lived consistently. Was he a perfect man? No. No, he was not. He'd be the first to tell you he was not. And he never saw himself as that holy man. He never saw himself as that consistent man. I think that might be the key, that might be the the source of inspiration, is never being satisfied with where we are with God. On his deathbed with a brain tumor just a few hours from heaven, he's reading his Bible wanting to know more because he wanted to be consistent in what God had put in his heart. I want to know more about him. And I thank God that even our pastor emeritus never had to call a deacon's meeting and have a sad story of immorality, an extramarital affair, the robbing and the thieving of tithe and offering. No, no, no. A consistent man who loved God, preached the word without fear and without favor. A perfect man? No, he'll be the first to tell you. But thank God for examples before us that lived consistent lives, that never had to apologize and who do not have to put an asterisk beside their name. They live for God, they preach the word, but I don't want that. You shouldn't want that for your family. A good kid raised in church, never consistent. Here's the asterisk, a divorce at 26 years old. Here's the asterisk, an alcoholic lifestyle, a drug abuse problem. So what is that asterisk then that you're willing to pay for inconsistency? See, consistency is so important because it roots out spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness. In the world in which we're living, it's so easy to be disconnected from the things of God. Well, I came, I sat in the blue chair, I wrote my check, I'm good. Well, God may want more. As a matter of fact, he desires more. He expects more. But consistency always roots out spiritual laziness. If you're pursuing God, if you're going after God, if you're living consistently for your life, God's not going to keep you on the bench. He's going to keep you active. Being fishers of men, taking the good news of the gospel. But we'll never understand unity as a church until we understand this. Consistency removes petty hindrances between you and the Lord. A word that I wish that could explode off of the dictionary and never come out of our mouths ever again is church hurt. Church hurt. No, it's called life. It's called life. We're imperfect people. All of us, from the man behind the pulpit to the one sitting here to the ones that were in the choir, we're all people, sinners, saved by grace. And the truth is, 
If we're unified with the Lord Jesus Christ personally, then when we have an issue corporately, then there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's tenderness. And if you're consistent, it will root out petty things that do not matter for the sake of Christ. And consistency will always put you to work for the Lord. People that are consistent for the Lord, people that are consistent in their walk of faith, you know what they do? They show up on a cold January Sunday morning and they put on their rain jacket and they park cars in the parking lot. They get up at eight o'clock and at 10.30 and they sing in the choir. They greet, they clean up the church afterwards, not because of who the pastor is, but because they love Jesus and they're consistent in their walk with him. And because they love him so much, they must serve somehow in the local church. Consistency is the key. Four things and then we'll take our seat. Number one, consistency builds confidence with God. Consistency builds confidence with God. Perhaps no one in the Bible demonstrates greater consistency with God than Daniel. Little Daniel, his consistency was rewarded by nourishment from the vegetables. His consistency was rewarded with promotion in the court of the king. His consistency with God was rewarded with protection in the lion's den. You see, Daniel refused to eat the king's meat. He refused to do what the Babylonians expected him to do. Even though they were trying to rob him of his identity as a follower of God, and even though they offered things that might have even tasted better or been more comfortable, Daniel was sold out to the idea that today I want to please God no matter what it costs me. And because of his consistency, it gave him confidence with God. Do you know why you have no confidence when it comes to the things of the Lord? When somebody tells a dirty joke at work and you don't have the confidence to speak up and say, hey, whoa, excuse me, I need to step away from that. I don't need to hear that. Do you know why you can't do that? Because you do not have consistency with God. And because you do not have consistency, you have no confidence. Confidence comes from consistency. Just like little Daniel. Proverbs 3.26 says this, For the Lord shall be thy confidence. It's not up to you. That's the good news. When the joke gets told, when the text goes too far, when whatever happens and you know you have no business hearing it or experiencing it, the Bible says that the Lord will be your confidence. Rest in him. It's not up to what you can do in your own power. It's not that you're making a statement for your righteousness. You're just saying, I serve the Lord. I follow him every day of my life and I have no business being a part of this conversation. You know what people will say that are in the world? Well, holier than thou. No, holier is he. Confidence with God. To be able to stand up to wickedness, to be able to stand up to unrighteousness. Confidence with God. Secondly, consistency creates closeness with God. It creates closeness. You see, this is why we have to be so careful with religious action. This is not about you sitting in a blue chair, writing a tithe check, lighting a candle, doing it, whatever it is that you want to put into a religious activity box. We're talking about a relationship with God, an intimate relationship. Look how the Bible describes this consistency that creates closeness. Ephesians 5, go to the 22nd verse. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Then men, you like those first few verses, but listen to this. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. God chose the relationship between a husband and a woman who love each other, respect each other, and who would do anything to honor the other to describe the relationship between his son and his betrothed. That's you, the church. This is not just about you being here in a blue chair. This is not just about you being here Sunday morning and Wednesday morning and Wednesday night and for all the things that happen throughout the week. It's so much more than that. He described it as a marriage. A marriage that's healthy requires participation. A marriage that's healthy requires transparency. He already knows everything about you. He knows the hairs that are on your head. I love my wife with all of my heart. I can barely look at her like, I start smiling like I'm 14 years old. I love her, but I can't tell you how many hairs are on her head. But my Lord can. My Jesus can. He loves her more than I'll ever be able to love her. And even in our earthly marriage, there is intimacy, there's closeness. I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. I know what pleases her. I know what she cannot stand. I know her intricacies. I happen to know that sometimes she gets her feelings hurt when I say this, and I shouldn't say it. I know her. This is how God chose to describe the relationship between you and Jesus. He already knows everything about you. So what are you doing in the marriage to go get information about him? How will you please him? How will you serve him? How will you know what he wants if you're not close? Inconsistency robs you of that intimacy. Then it just becomes another thing on your social media profile. Christian, Jesus, Bible verse, That is garbage. It's trash. You can put all the posts you want on Facebook, but if God doesn't have your heart, he's not interested in what you post. Consistency with God. Somehow we have got this thing out of order that somehow we can live in some proverbial digital world of satisfaction where we show up, we post a picture, we talk about the Bible verse once or twice a week online and God's happy with me. No, don't cheapen his love for you like that. His son died for it so that you could know him. He already knows you. What it is is a cold, complacent marriage where one has given everything and the other sits in the room on the phone and won't even look at the one who gave it all. Consistency brings closeness. Thirdly, consistency clarifies communication. Consistency with God will clarify what he's trying to tell you. 
He wants to communicate with you. This is a marriage, so a marriage must communicate. If I ignore Miranda for four hours today and I don't text her or we don't talk or we don't make contact, number one, I'm gonna be upset. Number two, she's gonna be upset. There's friction already, four hours, and we haven't talked. You say, you're crazy. Get married, be married for 25 or 30 more years and see how you like to talk. Well, that's on you. We've been married nine years and we're in the, still in the honeymoon phase. I wanna talk to my wife. I want to hear how her day was. Oh, yeah. I don't ever want to lose that. The marriage between you and your bridegroom requires you to talk. How do you talk? Through prayer. You must pray. You must tell him what you're going through. You must talk to him as if he is sitting next to you because he is. The Bible gives us some clarification on this communication. Matthew 6, 7, pay attention to this. It says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You can recite the prayer, you can do the little thing, you print it off, and, and you can check the box. That's not what God wants from you. He wants you to talk to him. Tell him what you're going through. Tell him what you're experiencing. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Lord, I wish that this situation could be different. Yes, he already knows, but how are you to know what you're supposed to do if you won't talk to him and let him speak to you? Are you confused about a situation? Well, have you told God that you're confused? Are you heartbroken over a problem, an issue within your family? Well, have you told God that you're heartbroken? Tell him, pray with him, communicate to him and allow him to clarify what he wants to say. You see, people who have to live in this yo-yo of consistency, when something bad happens in life, when the phone call comes from the doctor, when the funeral home is part of your week and there's been inconsistency and now all of a sudden you're in the 911 situation of your life and you try to go to him in prayer, it's like praying up against a brick wall. Nobody's hearing me. Nobody's listening to me. There's a difference and when you go to that 911 situation of your life and you can pick up the phone and dial 911 and because you had already prayed that day before you got the call, before the wreck happened, before the doctor called back with a bad report, you had already been in prayer that day and the day before and the day before and there hadn't been this yo-yo back and forth that for three months I'll live for God and then the next three months, well, you may not even see me at church. There's a different way to live life. And communication gets defined, it gets clarified when we're consistent with God. He will tell you what he wants from you, but you must communicate. You've got to communicate, you've got to be transparent, and you must pray. Lastly, consistency cultivates faithfulness in God. Moms and dads, pay close attention to this. I don't have time to read all of this, but I'm gonna give you this as a seed and I want you to explore it out. Consistency cultivates faithfulness 
And listen to me, it may not be faithfulness just for you. It may be your children we're talking about here. It may be your grandchildren, your niece, your nephew. Your faithfulness can cultivate others and their faithfulness. David said this with complete conviction. Psalm 91.2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. You can trust God to be faithful. Everybody say amen. amen. Let me try that again. You can trust God to be faithful and true to you and your family. Amen. He's a faithful God. You can believe his word. You can trust him with your family. You can trust him with a decision that you can't really figure out. You can lay it at his feet and trust him. And in that trust, that faithfulness and that consistency, things will happen that you can't even imagine. Look at this, Hebrews 11. This is consistency that cultivated faith. There is no greater example in all of Scripture than Abraham. Faithfulness that paid dividends for generations to come. Faithfulness that cultivated things that he couldn't even imagine or see ahead. He knew what God had told him. He knew what God had promised him. But he would not live to see it all come to happen. But you and I on the back end, we get to look through Scripture and know that God was faithful and true. Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham. Everybody say that with me. By faith, Abraham. When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, here you go, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Praise God. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 11, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. What you can go through this, go all the way through Hebrews 11 and you'll see Isaac, you'll see Jacob, you'll see Esau, you'll see Joseph, you'll see Moses. From Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, from Jacob to Joseph, from Joseph to Moses, Moses to the Exodus generation of the Hebrew children leaving Egypt, faithfulness and consistency in that faithfulness will cultivate what you cannot even imagine with God. Generational blessings with God could be in the balance waiting on you to step up to be the dad, waiting on you to step up to be the mom, waiting on you to step up to be the grandparent that God needs for your family to cultivate faith. Generational blessing. Generational consequence for faithfulness and consistency in that faithfulness. Your two-week absence from the will of God could cost your family everything. Go on vacation, yes, but take Jesus with you. Go to the lake, enjoy God's green creation, but take Jesus with you. Go to the beach, lay in the sun, bake like a tater tot, but take Jesus with you. Consistency. This is not an on again, off again. You know what COVID was? COVID was the sifting of the wheat and the tares. 
God's getting the A team ready because at any moment the trumpet could sound and your faith could become sight and we could be raptured out of here before we have chicken for lunch. Be consistent. Consistency cultivates faithfulness. And some of you here with gray hair, I'm learning something about you. You're one of the precious resources and assets that this church possesses. It's a gift from God to have faithful gray-headed people in the church. I praise God for you, your consistency. But you get to a point, your children are gone, your grandchildren are growing older, they're moving to different cities, and you can get to a place where you don't feel like you matter. What a lie Satan will whisper in your ear. Gray-headed saint of God, invest your time, invest your money, and invest your efforts into the house of God, and he will bless you even into the winter years of your life. You have so much to give the church. And some of you have the greatest examples of consistency to live out in front of people like me who are in their 30s, and we're watching you. We're watching you. Can I make it? Well, they did. Miranda, can me and you make it that long? 55 plus years? Ford and Barbara, how long have y'all been married? How long? 54 years. Praise God. 54 years of faithful marriage, faithful to the church. Consistency. Praise God, I can make it. Me and my wife can make it. You keep on going. You keep on giving. You keep on believing. There's a verse for you in Psalms. It says, I have been young, you were young, and now am old. That's okay. Because look at what the experience of life has brought you. Look at what consistency with God allows you to see. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The same God that dealt with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God that will deal with you that will reward you, that will love you, that will guide you and see you all the way home. Be consistent, child of God. Be consistent. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 14 and 16, he warned us that inconsistency comes with great consequence. Someone can help me on the piano. I want to close with this. So important that we get this. I know we're just a few minutes over. But listen very carefully. Our heart is to be consistent, confidence, closeness, communication, faithfulness with God. All of this is the formula to power with God. But church, know this. Inconsistency comes with a great consequence. Revelation 3, 14 through 16. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. This is in red letters. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You see, nearby Laodicea, there was a city called Heropolis. Heropolis was famous 
for the healing hot springs. 80, 90 degree water that old joints get to get into and the minerals of that water, the health benefits, hot springs in Heropolis. Down from there, there was a city called Colossae. Colossae was known for the cold mountain spring water that ran into the city. And even in the hot summer, the aqueduct in Colossae would be full of cold mountain water. And it was so refreshing to drink that water. But Laodicea had an underground aqueduct and that water was dirty. And that water was filthy. And that water wasn't cold and it wasn't hot. It was lukewarm. And Jesus said, church in Laodicea, I have assessed your work. I have assessed your consistency for my sake. And as I sip of you and I assess you, I become sick to my stomach and I vomit you out of my mouth. You think God is trying to get our attention as it pertains to our work for him, our consistency with him, the way that you lead your family, the way that you're faithful to the house of God. You can come up with excuse after excuse for all the things in life, but at the end of the day, Jesus will assess you. He knows. And he asks of you to be consistent for his sake. Pursue him. Here's how you can summarize all of this. You build consistency with God by living it out every single day. Every day. Remember, we're a living sacrifice. The prayer of John 3.30, that I decrease and that he increases. It's every day. This is why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dying every day. My flesh, my will, my desire, because I must be consistent for the sake of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be consistent, living it every day. But do it refusing to step backwards one inch and never be satisfied with your accomplishment. And be made aware that tomorrow will come and you'll have to make a decision. You'll have a choice to make. Here's what Christians love to do. We close with this. Here's what we love to do. I've been consistent to read my Bible for three weeks. I've been consistent to pray after I read my Bible for three weeks. I've done well. I've done good. I, I, th I think I deserve, you know, this week, it's okay. Three weeks, I was consistent. I, I was faithful. God will reward me with a little more slack in the line. And I'll come over here and I'll feed my flesh because it's so easy to pick back up right where the devil has ready for you to pick back up at. You see, the devil's number one attack point in your life is the last trough that you ate slop out of. He'll have it ready, full of whatever your flesh can desire, full of whatever your flesh can want. But God said, would you, remi would you be reminded today my desire, my demand, my heart in this marriage is that you stay over here and be consistent to what I've asked you to do and be who I've asked you to be. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The altar is open all week this week. I've been in a season of prayer, inspection. I'll be honest, I felt like my heart went through a cheese grater. never can get to a place where I'm satisfied with where I am with the Lord. 
Doesn't matter my role, doesn't matter my position in this family of faith. I need less of me and more of him. If you want to start the new year outright, get a hold of what's available for you as a Christian and demand of yourself consistency. Consistency in the word, consistency in prayer, and consistency to his house. Is there anyone here in the sound of my voice? I'm not gonna give much of an invitation. God can do the work. I don't have to ask. God already knows what's going on in everyone's life here today. But is there anyone here under the sound of my voice that say, Pastor, I can say with all assurity of heart, I'm on my way to heaven, but there's some inconsistencies in my life that must change today. Pray that the Lord will help me. Would you raise your hand? God bless you, sir, there in the back for your transparency. God bless you, God bless you. Hands all over the building. Would you do this? Would you start the first Sunday in January of 2023? Would you start it with a prayer of dedication? Moms, dads, would you grab your children by the hands? Husbands, wives, can you grab hands? And would you just come pray and ask God to make you the family, the husband, the wife, the son, the daughter, the grandparent, the aunt, the uncle, that he wants you to be this year? It's very simple. You're not coming because of me. You're coming because you love the Lord and you want him to change your life. If that's you, would you just grab somebody's hand that you can trust? Would you come pray? Start the year off right. If you can't kneel on the altar here, one of these front pews are open. You can come and symbolically just say, Lord, touch me. Help me this year. I want to be different. I want to change. I want more of you and less of me. I want to be consistent in my walk. If you're here today and you're lost, you're undone. You were the one that we were speaking to earlier, talking about eternity. You need to be saved. Come find one of the pastors. We'll take the word of God We'll show you what it means to believe upon the name of Jesus Christ in faith for salvation. Granddaddy, I want you to grab a mic and I want you to pray over these people. Consistency. Lord, touch our people. Lord, change their lives. Heavenly Father, we come back into your presence thanking you, God, for what you've done for us today. We thank you for the powerful witness of seeing that even in our darkest, most heartbroken day, you're a God of grace, a God of comfort. You are a God of consistency. God, may we that are created in your image begin to understand the importance of living in that image of consistency. God, we kneel here on the first Sunday of a brand new year. And God, we want you to cultivate in us, grow in us character that we've not had before. God, would you come by through the moving of the Holy Spirit of God and create within us a desire to be consistent, a desire to read your word, a desire to be faithful to the house of God, 
a desire to see that there's other people that need to know about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we would have a vision and a burden for a lost and a dying world. God, our weakness is so obvious. Our frailties are so obvious. Our inconsistencies are so obvious. But oh God, today, would you begin that process of communicating within us that we would communicate with you Lord, that we wouldn't talk about you or we wouldn't tell people that we go to church or we have a label by our name, but God, that we have a relationship, a love, a romance. God, that we today understand the importance of telling you, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I want to serve you with all my heart. Now, God, according to the promises of your word, you said if we would confess our faults, if we would confess our weakness, if we would confess our sin, if we would confess our shortcoming, if we would confess our criticism, if we would confess our gossiping, if we would confess the shortchanging that we've done to the cause of Christ and the body of Christ, if we would confess it this day, you would put it behind us never to be remembered again. That God, you would forgive us and you would wash it in the blood of your darling son, Jesus Christ. That we could walk out of here with power, with authority, and with joy. And that we can agree together as a family of faith to stand behind our pastor and this staff. That we can encourage one another and we can sing the songs of Zion with clarity and comfort as never before. We ask these things in your sweet and holy name. Amen and amen.